Hello, fellow planeswalker, and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name is Ninja Boy, your guide to all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. So I hope everyone is enjoying Zendikar Rising out on Magic Arena right now. As of the release of this episode, we are officially at the release of the set in paper as well. And of course, now is the time to update your EDH decks and get a brewing with new decks you want to build whenever we can have in-person games or if you enjoy webcam games. I've been grinding out limited on Arena as well as you know playing around with the standard brew. I would say rogue brew, but it's actually not of blue-black rogues. Uh, I've had mixed results with that standard brew, but I'll save the analysis of that in the in, for next episode. In the meantime, though, let's go through the EDH decks that I currently have, uh, as well as some other decks from other formats, and see what new cards from the set are possible additions. Uh, again, as has been a recurring theme since the pandemic started, I haven't actually gotten around to updating my deck list physically since Theros Beyond Death, uh, but I still like running this exercise to get to know the new set a little bit better, and you know, it's fun to speculate and look at what could be added. Uh, you know, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and dig in. Uh, note that, that I'll be looking at new cards from the new set as well as from the Zendikar Rising Commander Precons. And as a reminder, my decks are maxed out on flavor and theme and not necessarily optimized for function. So Commander staples like the new targeted black removal in Feed the Swarm aren't going to be mentioned here in depth. Uh, before we get to the actual cards, though, that start that are getting a, decks are getting a distance, uh, I'll just go through a quick list of the decks that I don't see getting any uh, distance. However, if you think I'm mistaken, uh, let me know on Twitter. Um, you can do that at at Ether Vortex Pod. Uh, so the decks that are not getting updates are Grixis Pirates, led by Admiral Beckett Brass, um, Greenless Assembly Workers and Thopters, led by Brea, uh, Dwarven Vehicles, led by um, the Pali um, in Boros, uh, Gisath Dinosaurs, uh, which is in Naya, uh, Five Color Snow deck led by Golos, um, Enchantment Creatures uh, led by uh, Estrid, um, you know, Tarkir Dragon Cycles, you know, all five colors, um, led by, what's it, the Five Color Colorless, I can't remember it at the top of my head, but you know which one I'm talking about. Um, I also have an Atarka Clan Tribal, which obviously we're not on, on Tarkir, um, so neither of these two decks will get any updates. Um, there's a Sea Monsters deck that I have, led by Exmathis, not getting any updates, a Five Color Gods deck, as well as a in the process of being reworked, clues and food and good boys, i.e. Doggos, uh, um, Bant deck, uh, you know, with a with a Tamiyo sub theme. You know, that those aren't getting any updates here. Now, okay, boring stuff out of the way. Let's get to the cards that are, the decks that are actually getting updates. Uh, first, I have an Arabo Cat Tribal deck. Um, I'm also using Kahira as a uh, companion here, which means that I'm actually uh, not, you know, getting any cards that even if they make cat tokens um, are not cats themselves. However, there is a that there's a specific, you know, uh, attended healer is a core cleric that does this whenever I gain life for the first time each turn. However, there is um, a enchantment uh, called called Felidar Retreat. Um, so it's three and a white for an enchantment with landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under my control, choose one. And I either create a 2-2 white cat beast creature token, or I put a 1-1 counter on each creature I control and those they gain vigilance until end of turn. 
Obviously, this is a really easy cat token generator, uh, easy slot into the deck. Um, you know, I also uh, was looking at Trove Warden, and this is coming from the Zendikar uh, Commander precons. Um, and this is a uh, you know two white and white for a creature cat beast uh, with vigilance um, and landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under my control, exile target permanent card with converted mana cost three or less from my graveyard. And when it dies, I put each permanent card exiled with it onto the battlefield under the control of that card's owner. Uh, I definitely do have a good number of, you know, less than three CMC permanents in the deck, so this is another easy include. Um, pretty powerful effect as well in order to get some sort of card advantage. Uh, and then finally, you know, there's actually also an, a bit of an equipment sub-theme uh, in here. You know, Najan, uh, you know, helps out with that. And a lot of the legendary cats I include, you know, um, and some of the cats in general get a benefit when they are equipped. Uh, so there is a one bit of equipment here that's, you know, well, actually two bits of equipment that are worth taking a look at. Uh, one is Maul of the Skyclaves. It is two in the white for an artifact equipment. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, attaches the target creature I control. Target creature gets plus two, plus two, and first strike and flying, and I can equip it for two white and white, but that auto-equip when it comes onto the field of play is pretty nice um, to be able to do. So, uh, you know, that definitely looks like a, you know, a, a nice equipment to slot into here, um, especially since, you know, it's a little bit more, they're able to put equipment more by adding a color to it. Um, another one, you know, is the green equipment, Skyclave Pickaxe, which is a single green for an artifact equipment. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, attach it to a creature control, and it has landfall. Whenever land enters the battlefield, equipped creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Um, so, you know, this is, again, a pretty cheap equipment to get out there. Um, easily attached to a, to a creature that, you know, wants to have equipment bonus. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, this is this is definitely like another nice one to at least look around to experimenting with. Uh, next up, we have vampires, which is a uh, a Mardu. Uh Edgar Markov deck, um, you know, so, you know, obviously we have a couple legendary um, vampires from Zendikar uh, that we want to be including here. Um, one is Drana, the last blood chief, a three black and black for a legendary creature, vampire cleric, flying whenever it attacks, defending player chooses a non-legendary creature card in my graveyard and I return it to the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Uh, the other creature type is a vampire and it doesn't do its other types, though not super necessary in my deck, which is mostly vampires anyway. Um, uh, is a 4-4 four, four pow power and toughness. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I by default, I'm including as many legendary creatures of the tribe uh, as possible. And, uh, you know, Drana definitely suits Ariadne, especially with her prior incarnations as well. Um, we also have another, uh, you know, legendary vampire in Zagras, Thief of Heartbeat, which is four black and red, legendary creature, a vampire rogue. And this spell costs one less to catch for each creature in my party. Now, before we get to the rest of his text, uh, the party is, of course, the, one of the new mechanics in Zendikar Rising. Your party is composed of a rogue, cleric, uh, wizard or warrior um, within the vampire deck actually it's a bit of a knight sub-theme uh, Edgar Markov is a knight a lot of knights from Ixalan uh, where I kind of based this deck off of were also knights though there are you know I counted four warriors and three clerics so um you know, this isn't going to be a huge, uh, you know, discount on Zagras, but it's still not going to be nothing if I have the right vampires out. Um, however, you know, more relevant is, you know, it's just a, again, legendary vampire I want to include. Has flying, death touch, and haste. Uh, other creatures I control get death touch, which, you know, a lot of, you know, Edgar Markov is pumping out a bunch of 1-1 one, one vampire knight tokens. Um, and so, you know, those getting death touches, you know, definitely make it hard to block, uh, you know, 
or chump block, you know, if everything has death touch. And whenever a creature I control deals damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker, which, again, is an easy way to get rid of problematic, uh, you know, recurring value engines. Uh, anyway, aside from Zagras and Drana, a couple, you know, there are a lot of vampires here, a lot of them meant for limited, um, you know, that don't necessarily, I don't think, are powerful enough to be included. A couple that do stand out, though, uh, we have Nighthawk Scavenger, uh, which is a vampire rogue for one black and black, uh, kind of an upgraded uh, night, uh, Nighthawk Scavenger, uh, Vampire Nighthawk. Um, it's a flying death touch lifelink. Uh, it has power equal to one plus the number of card types among cards in my opponent's graveyard. Uh, so one plus... Uh, star and three toughness, um, or one plus star power, three toughness. So, you know, this is could be uh, a pretty decent threat, um, especially if you know, there's a graveyard player at the deck milling a lot of the deck into the graveyard. Um, could get pretty big pretty quickly. Um, Let's see, what else do we have? We also have Null Priest of Oblivion, uh, one in the black for a Vampire Cleric with Kicker 3 in the black, 2-1, uh, Menace Lifelink as its base, but if I pay the Kicker cost, uh, it, it when it enters the battlefield, I can return a target creature from my graveyard to my hand, so you know, either an early Menace Lifelink threat, which again, there's a bit of a draining sub-theme in Vampires, or uh, you know, we have a something that can recur something from the graveyard, which is always pretty powerful. Um, you know, going along that lines, we have also so the life gain theme, we have Sign of the Swarms, three black and black for a vampire cleric, uh, flying whenever it gains life, I gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, three, three, uh, probably on the weaker end, it's kind of borderline of making, not making it, but at the very least, I am going to take a look and see if it fits. Uh, let's see, I also have Marauding Night. Uh, sorry, Marauding Blight Priest, uh, which is another vampire click for two and a black. Again, whenever I gain life, each opponent loses one life, kind of multiplying the X, the factor of you know my vampire drain effects. Um, I think I build my Edgar Markov deck a little bit slower than most people do, um, and so you know maybe this might fit in there, or maybe this might not be. You know, maybe if I want to end up swifting to a faster style, this might not be fast enough. Uh, yeah, so I believe uh, that is everything that I wanted to talk about from the Vampire deck. Moving on, we have a Simic of Morfolk deck led by Kumena uh, from uh, Ixalan. Um, and so my Morfolk deck has a bit of a plus one, plus one counter sub-theme. And, you know, while there are some, you know, green plus one, plus one counters on here, um, you know, Zendikar and Morfolk aren't necessarily uh, in Simic colors, you know, mostly sticking to blue. So, you know, looking there, what are the Morfolk I want to be adding on? Uh, well, we have Expedition. Diviner. Um, Expedition Diviner is a Merfolk wizard, which is three in the blue, uh, flying, and as, I, as long as I control another wizard, it has uh, whenever this creature dies, draw a card, three, two. This is kind of on the border again, but when I, you know, I didn't write down the exact numbers of how many of each party type I have in the deck. Uh, I have a lot of rogues and a lot, and even more wizards um, in my Merfolk deck, so this is definitely going to be easily turned on. I don't think if the, I don't think the power of the body is enough to maybe get it in the deck, but it is worth mentioning because there was a little bit of synergy there. Uh, let's see, I also have uh, Morfolk Ro uh, Rogue, Roots, Morfolk Rogue, um, or rather the Morfolk Wind Robber, uh, which is a Morfolk Rogue, which is for one blue mana, uh, has flying and it deals combat damage. I mill a player and then I can sack it and cycle it essentially um, when it can is get, getting blocked as long as I have eight cards in the opponent's graveyard, one, one. Um, who knows? I think this might, you know, again, might be a little bit too small, Um but you know it could potentially be an addition as well. Um, so you know, some early game threats could wear those counters very well.
Um, another, you know, in the, another unblockable rogue I could include uh, is Three Four Stalker. Uh, two in the blue. Love this card in limited. It's a Morphic rogue. Uh, for four in the blue, it can gain plus one plus zero oh until end of turn and can't be blocked, um, which makes it essentially again wears counters very well to get in unblockable damage. Uh, the ability costs one less for each creature in my party, which isn't nothing. You know, it's a rogue, right? It's already discounted down to only four mana total. If I have another wizard, which is likely, I'd have a couple of. Uh, I think I have some warriors in there as well. Um, it can get down to you know three mana um which you know is not you know, the cheapest effect but you know definitely worth considering um and let's see i also have umaru wizard now this is you know the first uh double faced cards i'm mobile double faced cards i'm talking about and this could potentially just swap in for an island right come in either be a tap count as a tap land but getting more folk count up uh, whenever i cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell which again a lot of morphic wizards uh the umaru wizard as a four three for four in the blue uh gains flying until end of turn and then on the flip side uh is of course umaru skyfalls which is just a land that enters the battlefield tap and taps for blue so yeah uh finally the last rogue that i wanted to talk about is thieving skydiver one in the blue morphic rogue uh would kick her x where x cannot be zero uh flying whenever it ends the battlefield if it was kicked uh gain control of target artifact artifact with converted mana cost x or less if it's an equipment attached to thieving skydiver and it's a two one at base um i mean this is basically right like three mana steal an opponent solving which is not bad at all and it's not like the uh, stealing effect wears off um over time so you know this is definitely I think pretty powerful and an easy slot in the Merfolk deck. Now, one of the decks obviously most impacted by Zendikar Rising and the party mechanic is one of the one of my uh, party decks, uh, or a deck that uses one of the party uh, subtypes, uh, Warriors, which is a five-color warrior deck led by Nadila. Now, my Nadila deck is already pretty crowded as is. I don't know where I'm going to make cuts for this, but you know, still worth looking over the Warriors in the set. Um, we have, you know, starting in white, Core Blademaster, uh, which is a core warrior, double strike, equipped warriors I control, gain double strike. Um, one and for one in the white. Um, I don't have a lot of equipment in here, quite frankly speaking, so I don't know if this necessarily makes the cut. Um, but, it, you know, if I end up ever adding in more equipment to the Nagila deck, this would definitely, you know, easily get in there. Uh, we have Pair Tactician, two in a white. Whenever it, uh, it's a human warrior, whenever it and another warrior attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on Pair Tactician. Baseline, it's a 3 2. A uh, little bit underpowered, I think, for the deck, but, you know, again, uh, works nicely with the uh, warrior synergy. Uh, Tazri, uh, Beacon of Unity is a human warrior for four and a white. Uh, spell costs one less to cast for each creature in my party, which means normally I think it'll be coming down for three and a white uh, since it's all warriors to my deck. And then for either two and a blue, two or blue, two or black, two or red, or two or green, I can look at the top six cards, reveal up to two, you know, in this case, warriors uh, from among them and put them onto my hand, put the rest on the bottom of my library in the random order, four, six. I think Tazvi's fits in better in her own dedicated party deck um, as opposed to in a warrior tribal deck. But, you know, if I am going to be including as many legendary warriors as I can, she would fit, but I don't think she necessarily synergizes with what the deck wants to be doing, which is beating down. So... Um, let's see. Moving to red, we have another modal duo face card, which is a Coem Warrior, five in the black, five in the red, for a um, trampling. Uh Minotaur Warrior at 4-5. Um, on the flip side, a Coem Teeth. Just enters the battlefield tapped. Uh, add a red, one red mana. Um, I don't know if this fits in because my mana base, you know, I like to keep them fairly symmetrical when it comes to, uh, you know, these five-color decks. So I don't know if it, it would count as, like, a land per se. Um, and if it's not counting as land, I don't think it really has as much value as a card, um, you know, given the stats that it has. 
Um, let's see, Expedition Champion, two in a red. Uh, human Warrior, it gets plus two, plus oh, as long as it's another warrior, which means it's normally a two, three, but most of the time I think it'll be a four, three. I think a little bit too weak uh, for this warrior deck. Um, let's see, Gomafada Vanguard is actually pretty interesting. It's one in a red. Uh, whenever it attacks, target creature the opponent controls with power less than or equal to the number of warriors I control cannot block this turn. So this can basically kind of for control the way that the opponents block if they have a huge blocker that i can't get that would you know eat up one of my warriors and one of my crucial warriors or if they have maybe like a death toucher or something that i really would rather not have to deal around or something that i don't want to get killed that they, i don't want them to you know get killed you know by suiciding into one of my creatures for some effect it has um this could actually be pretty useful um the, the fact that it only affects one creature as opposed to all creatures that have power less than the number of warriors is a little bit of a downside um, next up, we have, this is definitely going in the deck, Cargan Intimidator, one in the red for a human warrior. Uh, cowards can't block warriors, which by itself is already super flavorful text that just belongs in the warrior deck. But beyond that, um, beyond that and being a 3-1, it also has for one mana, I can choose one that has not been chosen this turn. It gains plus one, plus one until end of turn. Okay. Uh, target creature becomes a coward until end of turn, uh, meaning that my one of my opponent's creatures can't block. Um, and then target warrior gains trample until end of turn so all pretty good pretty good values on there a tweet this was an enchantment that can probably get blown up by a removal spell but um given its size but you know just for the cowards can't block warriors line super awesome um, and then we have Morag, Fury of Akoam, uh, which is four red and red. Legendary creature, Minotaur Warrior, which, you know, by itself, it could go into a Minotaur tribal deck. But uh, each creature I control gets plus one, plus O for each time it has attacked this turn. And then when the landfall enters the battlefield under my control, if it's my main phase, there's an additional combat phase after this phase. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures that I control. Which, basically, given the Jila uh, getting more value, the more she attacks and more other warriors attacks, um, I think this definitely kind of slots in there. Um, hopefully I can pull a couple of copies for this between a Minotaur deck I want to build as well as, you know, uh, the Warrior deck. Uh, and then finally, uh, we have Cargan uh, Warleader. Uh, Cargan Warleader is the gold legendary, uh, un gold uncommon signpost. One red and white human warrior, 3-3. Three, three. Very simply, other warriors get plus one, plus one. So simple warrior lord definitely fits into the warrior deck for sure. Um, notice I did not mention Akiri, who's another legendary core warrior. For it's kind of the same reasons as core blade master. It definitely needs, it's more, not so much a war uh, warrior deck card, um, even though she does fit into the warrior um, deck, uh, but, you know, she definitely uh, is more of an equipment card, uh, which I think more relevant here. Um, also, you know, looking at some other cards, you know, that aren't warriors themselves, or maybe reference warriors, um, Amirius Call is a uh, one of the white model dual face lands, uh, but this one can enter, you know, on its flip side, Amelia's Hatter Skyclave, uh, untapped for white mana if you pay three life. Um, on the flip side, for four white, 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 create two four four white angel warrior creature tokens with flying. Non-angel creatures gain indestructible at the end of turn. Uh, this definitely lets me swing with impunity uh, by my you know swarm of warriors. A little, little bit slow, um, yet seven mana, uh, but also making some words is pretty nice as well. And this also will eventually make its way into the angel uh, tribal deck. Uh, Resolute Strike, if I had more equipment, you know, would be good. It gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. And if it's a warrior, it has an equipment. Um, not super relevant here. 
Um, and then finally, uh, let's see, Nahiri, Heir of the Ancients. We'll talk about her in a little bit. But her plus one ability does make core warriors. Um, again, it's more suited for an equipment sub-theme. Which, speaking of equipment, we have Relic Axe. Uh, two mana for an equipment when it ends the battlefield attached to a creature I control. And target creature gets plus one, plus one. Unless it's in my deck, which basically means all the creatures get plus two, plus one instead. Um, most of those are a little bit underpowered, especially, you know, trying to make going a swarming uh, warrior theme for uh, Najila as opposed to a kind of more go-tall equipment theme that Nahiri or these other equipment matter cards would suggest. Okay, uh, we have the, uh, you know, my baby, my Hydra tribal deck. Um, you know, so no actual Hydras in the deck per se, which is a little bit disappointing. Um, there is kind of like a pseudo-Hydra, uh, in uh, Ashaya, um, Soul of the World, um, legendary elemental uh, for you know three red, three green and green uh, powers and toughness are each equal to the number of lands I control. Uh, which, given you know my deck is a bit of a landfall deck, uh, definitely uh, I will have a ton of lands on there to help fuel my hydras. Um, so you know Ashaya herself grows kind of with the lands that I have, um, and then non-token creatures, meaning my hydras, uh, enter the battle are forced in addition to their other types. So you know, they can tap, you know, to, you know, grow other hydras as well. Um, the other part is with with Omnath uh, and having landfall triggers, any hydra basically comes with a 5-5 five, five buddy, which is pretty nuts. Um, and it's an elemental, which kind of fits with the Omnath theme, though, as I mentioned in the past, I think I'm going to try to be moving a little bit away from the elemental sub-theme. Not quite sure how to do that uh, entirely yet for Omnath, but um, in the meantime, you know, Asaya would be a welcome addition to that deck. Uh, we also have Geode Ranger, uh, Geode Ranger comes from the Zendikar pre-constructed con commander decks. Uh, four red and red for another elemental first strike. However, this landfall ability is what's going to make it get in. Uh, whenever land enters the battlefield under my control, goad each creature target opponent controls, making forcing them essentially to tap out all their attackers um, and leaving the road clear for uh, my Hydras to be able to come and trample over. And the best part is, you know, if there's more than uh, one, more than you know, just one opponent, I can do this to basically make all my opponents attack each other and then send a massive hydra over to take care of each one hopefully in one shot um, given the size that my hydras have it is a 4-3 this again elemental that i may be trying to move, remove from the deck but in the meantime definitely worth keeping in for now uh, and then finally, you know, we have Turn Timber uh, Symbiosis, um, which is a modal dual face card for green and green, for green, 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 another seven mana. Land, uh, you know, Turn Timber Serpentine Wood. It cannot enter, it'll enter tap unless I pay three life, and then it can tap for green. On the interesting side, though, Sorcery, uh, I may look at the top seven cards in my library, put a creature card from them onto the battlefield, and if it had converted mana cost three or less, enter to three additional plus one, plus one counters on it, and put the others on my deck in a random order now um, the reason this is interesting to me is the fact that most of my hydras uh you know if you look at the ones at least with x cmc or x no cmc will come in at under three cmc however the problem is you know for example if i were to play a genesis way for this uh, i could get those hydras but the default of the rules is that x will be equal to zero which means my hydras have zero power toughness which means they die this one saying it comes in with an additional three plus three one plus one plus one counters gets around that downside so this is essentially digging for answers and you know with the various plus one plus one synergies uh you know in my hydra tribal deck you know doubling season for example this definitely uh helps out there as well uh, there was also, you know, a plus one, plus one counter theme 
uh, you know, in the deck, um, you know, in in Xander Horizon in Green Black Limited. Um, you know, not nothing that makes me really want to go off. Well, I think I guess there's one that that I would be interested in having. Vastwood Surge essentially is another form of land ramp, essentially explosive vegetation, three in the green. However, for kicker four, you know, for another, so basically eight mana total, um, switch for two basic lands, put them on the live battlefield tapped, basically explosive vegetation, but with the bonus of it was Kate plus two, pl two plus one plus one counters on each creature I control. You know, free value that I'm already looking to do some land ramp. I think this might go in and, and replace maybe explosive vegetation or another similar ramp card for the additional value as well. Um, you know, we have some other cards like, you know, Swarm Sampler, which I'm not going to describe fully, but, you know, the benefit there is that a creature I control with plus one, plus one becomes a target of a spell and opponent controls create a one, one green insect creature token. Pretty nice. Um, you know, Iridescent Horn Beetle, four and a green. Uh, at the beginning of my end stop, uh, create a one, one green insect creature for each plus one, plus one counter I've, you know, put onto a creature I control. Um, so if that means I, I make a, you know, a Hydra with 12 plus one, plus one counter, I dump a bunch of mana on it, suddenly that's another 12 one, one bodies on the ground, which, you know, isn't nothing as it as well. Um, let's see, Orin Re... Reef Ooze is a little bit slow, you know, it puts a plus one plus one counter on creature I control when it ETBs, um, and I get a plus one plus one counter on each creature whenever the ooze attacks. Uh, not super, I think, relevant given the, sc the scope of the number of counters I want to put on. Uh, Gnarled Colony, one in the green, is a beast with kicker two in the green. Uh, whenever it was kicked, enters with two plus one plus one counters, it's baseline two two. But the important text here is that creatures I control with a plus one plus one counter and it have trample. Many of my hydras, unfortunately, don't have trample and kind of get, you know, easy chump block so this is a way they like push through damage um and, and get around that uh final deck you know that i already have that i'm going to talk over is my ninjas deck which i did most of my most recent deck tech on um now you know there this is run by yuriko demir colors um and so there's a lot of actually you know a lot of the similar things where we have sneaky the sneaky rogues are in the blue black colors in zendikar rising uh meaning that a lot of the kind of unblockable type stuff uh, could very well, you know, come into play here with my ninjas deck. Um, Morphok Windrobber, which I talked about in the Murfolk deck, you know, the one mana, one, one flyer that can draw a card if I have eight cards in the opponent's graveyard. Um, you know, that's a one, one, a one power, one tough, or one CMC unblockable creature or pseudo unblockable. But if, I, if I'm playing early, you know, unlikely all my opponents will have a one, uh, a one CMC uh, flying blocker, you know, on turn one. So I can definitely get in some value in uh, Yuriko in there. Um, let's see, Nimble Trap Finder um, is not uh, is actually strictly unblockable if uh, a cleric, rogue, warrior, or wizard enter the battlefield under my control this turn. Um, given that uh, you know I have you know a bunch of rogues in my uh, eight that I was able to count. You know this is a ninja deck, so not as much of the other types, but a lot of my unblockable creatures are rogues. Nimble Trap Finder could very well be unblockable a not insignificant portion of time as a two one uh, for two mana. Uh, not sure if that's fast enough to be honest, which is kind of insane, but just to say, but you know, that, that might not actually be fast enough, but you know, worth at least looking to see if it, if it makes the cut. Um, let's see. Soaring Thought Thief uh, is the blue black rogue, um, vampire rogue, I believe, from which is the uncommon uh, Demir signpost. 
and Soaring Thought Thief, uh, basically flash flying to blue, blue and the black. Um, as long as the opponent has eight or more cards in the graveyard, rogues get plus one plus O. Oh, and whenever one or more rogues attacks, each opponent mills three cards for a one three. Um, again, another flying flash unblockable semi-unblockable creature at 2CMC. Um, again, not sure if that's going to be fast enough. Um, now, one of the legendary creatures actually uh, is Zareth, the Zareth Sound, the Trickster, uh, three blue and black with Flash, Morphok Rogue. However, it has a very ninja-esque ability, ninjutsu-esque ability. For two blue and a black, I can return an unblocked attacking rogue I control to my hand, put it on the battlefield, attack and attack, and basically is ninjutsu just for rogues, um, specifically for rogues. And if it deals combat damage, I can steal a target permanent card of the opponent, um, you know, from the opponent's graveyard onto the battlefield under my control. And so 4-4, this is pretty nuts, to be honest. Um, and uh, if I can, you know, have enough critical mass of rogues to make Zeret San be able to be unblockable, this would be, you know, super great. Um, not the, you know, cheapest discount also, but, you know, hitting for five off of Eureka and then, you know, being able to cast it for only four is kind of also what the deck kind of wants to be doing. Uh, finally, we also have Whisper Steel Dra Dagger, uh, which is from the Commander Precon deck, two in a black uh, equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two plus oh. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, I may cast a creature spell from that opponent's graveyard this turn. So again, more stealing stuff from the graveyard with my unblockable stuff. I can send mana if it's any color to collect to, ca to cast that spell. Equip cost of three. Um, again, Anawan, the Ruin Thief, uh, the face card for the Commander Precon deck, um, doesn't really fit into what the deck wants to be doing. He's definitely a rogue tribal, not necessarily a ninja tribal deck, so um, unfortunately will not be slotting in. Okay, so I also have some decks that aren't fully built, but are partway there that, you know, see some of distance as well. Um, we have the Sea Creatures deck, um, which is not the, you know, Kraken, Serpents, Octopus, uh, Leviathan's, you know, Sweetsu deck led by Eryxothes. Um, still not sure what commander to put here, but um, I think I might be putting in a crab sub theme so I can get Karisks, uh, the Raising Isle, the 017 Big Butt Boy uh, into the deck. Um, and then let's see. Uh, obviously, I have an ally deck uh, with Tazri using the gates as well. Rebuilding that mana base to see where I want to put the gates package maybe into another five color deck, maybe Kenrith. Um, obviously, I could run Tazri. You know, her ability not only searches for, you know, the party members, but also allies. I think that's like a little throwback ability that they wanted to have this TASV synergize with allies from the past. Um, so, you know, I could throw in a new TASV or I could also, again, make the new TASV a separate party deck. Uh, and then finally, we have Angel Tribal. I already talked about Emirius Call, uh, which is the dual-faced mythic white land. But we also have Angel of Destiny, another mythic uh, mythic creature three white and white for an angel cleric with flying in first flying in double strike whenever a creature i control deals combat damage to a player me and that player each gain that much life at the beginning of my end step if i have at least 15 life more than my starting life total each player angel of destiny attacked this turn loses the game so you know fitting this maybe into you know, having Aurelia or one of the other Boros leaders who give multiple combat turns, Angel of Destiny can get in multiple times. Um, and, you know, definitely a lot of my angels are pretty big and can easily, hopefully, gain me life back up to above 15, uh, up to, you know, 55. So we'll see if this is actually viable. Um, at least, at the very least, it looks pretty fun. Um, and having a big butt at five mana is like a pretty nice spot as opposed to like, you know, six, seven, eight mana, a lot of the more expensive angels cost. 
Okay, taking a quick break from EDH, there are a couple of Oathbreaker decks I haven't necessarily been fully built, but I am planning on one for most Planeswalkers that have multiple copies, and there are two that fit here. Um, unfortunately, Nyssa uh, is not, at being green-black, will not fit into my mono-green Nyssa uh, Oathbreaker deck that I'm building, but Jace has a new version, Jace Mirror Maids, um, which is you know going to slot into nicely into the various the Jace decks that I have. And then Nahiri, who I mentioned before, um, there are four copies of Nahiri printed thus far. I think I could make a core tribal slash equipment deck, you know, maybe have a bunch of the core that care about equipment. Um, Nahiri, obviously, and, and related cards to her. And then whatever powerful equipment I'm just able to happen to find to slot into the deck, um, you know, whatever I'm able to, you know, spare equipment that maybe is not fitting into my, uh, my Selesnia cat equipment tribal deck. Okay, uh, speaking, and obviously one of these would be Akiri, who is the uh, you know the red-white legendary creature I talked about before in the warrior deck, which brings me, actually, I want to talk about all the legendary creatures to see if they can inspire any decks of their own or if they will be slotted into the 99. Um, other podcasts, obviously, I think already have this conversation, so I'm not going to belabor the point too much here. Um, as I mentioned, uh, Akiri goes probably into my Nahiri Oathbreaker deck that I'm planning on building. Um, let's see, Grakma. Um, so Grakma is the uh, Golgotha, Hydra deck. Unfortunately, I don't have plans uh, for a uh, a high uh, 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 a Hydra deck that includes um, black in it. However, I did get the idea to build a Nethroi zero power deck. So Nethroi is two white, black, and green, so two in Albson for a cat nightmare beast, uh, mutate cost four, and then Selesnia hybrid, black, black, death touch lifelink, whenever this creature mutates, return any number of target creature cards fought with total power, 10 or less for my graveyard to the battlefield, comes in as a 5-5. Five, five. Okay, so I had the idea, actually, inspired by Scourge of the Skies, which is a black, um, which is a black, uh, rare, um, who, or sorry, Black Mythic, one in the black, uh, Demon, uh, would kick her four in the black. Whenever I cast a spell, if it was kicked, each player halves their life total rounded up. And then the power and toughness is equal to 20 minus the highest total life among players. So hypothetically, if I were to cast this turn two um, without kicking it, it would base, and no one had lost life yet for whatever reason, this would be 40 minus, or 20 minus uh, 40, um, which basically makes puts that negative 20. So what that means is that in the graveyard, it has negative 20. Now, Nethroi, when his ability comes into play, means uh, basically says that, hey, I need to, I can bring up back up to 10 power and toughness. However, if I have a bunch of power and toughness in the graveyard, um, including this negative 20 power um, that I'm looking at from Scourge of the Skyclaves, that means I can actually bring back 30 power and toughness from the graveyard, which is nuts by itself. But even going further, if I take creatures such as Grakma, um, who who has zero power toughness, that doesn't count toward the total, or it does, but it doesn't actually add anything. So if I fill the yard with a bunch of zero power toughness, zero power creatures, um, this can basically come back, you know, more than just you know 10 one one power creatures, right? Um, and that's what we get kind of that. So Grak Moss, Skyclave Ravagers, one black and green. Hydro Horror, whenever it enters the battlefield, it comes with three plus one plus one counters. Whenever a creature I control dies, if it had a plus one plus one counter, put a plus one plus one counter in Grak Maw. And when it dies, create a XX black and green Hydro Creature token where X is the number of counters on Grak Maw. Zero, zero power toughness. 
This means that the, the fact that it comes in with plus one, plus one counters uh, means it's not going to die just as soon as it enters the battlefield, unlike my other Hydras who, you know, I have to pay X in order for them to have counters. Um, another card like this is Yorvo, uh, which is the legendary green giant from um, Ikoria, uh, Pelucranos from... Um, Theragos Beyond Death, also 0, 0, but comes in with 6 plus 1 plus 1 counters. So you see where I'm going here, where I'm basically filling the yard with a bunch of these uh, creatures through various means, and then basically reanimating them with uh, with Nethor, and basically get able to come back with uh, a ton of... Um, a ton of creatures that are able to essentially suddenly fill the board, even if in the graveyard they technically had zero power. So we'll see if that deck works out. All right, uh, moving on, you know, Kaza is the blue-red uh, legendary. Definitely fits into a wizard tribal. Um, Linvala uh, goes into a party deck, blue-white. Um, Omnath, uh, who is my boy? As I already know, I already have an Omnath uh, Hydra deck. I'm planning an Omnath Elementals deck uh, for the you know teamer version one. This blackless version of Omnath, Locus of Creation, uh, thinking about doing an oops all spells um, modal dual face card. So Omnath, you know, let's just read this text real quick. Uh, Locus of Creation uh, is basically costs red, green, white, and blue. So no, essentially Wooberg minus black. Black, legendary creature elemental, enters the battlefield, draw a card, and then landfall, which is pretty nuts landfall ability. First card enters the battlefield, uh, gain four life. Uh, if it's the um, is the first time. If it's the second time, add you know his casting cost back, red, green, white, and blue to my mana pool. If it's the third time, deals four damage to each opponent and to each planeswalker I control. So if I just throw in a bunch of landfall effects into here, I think um, this might just be a good place to put those. And then the fact that the and the modal dual face cards um, basically means that I can have cards that on the front side are creatures but I can play them for land meaning that I can basically up my land count in the deck while not skimping on the spell count. Now that does mean the spells are going to be somewhat lackluster I don't have access to the black ones unfortunately but you know I think that there is a deck to be here that you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking at um, but yeah we'll see if this actually becomes a thing. I'm definitely waiting for when we get five color Omnath and I can kind of slot all five Omnaths into one deck. Um, let's see, Aura uh, is the black-white legendary creature. Um, fits into a cleric stack, pretty straightforward. Uh, Firelath is the red-green legendary version of Avengers of Zendikar. Again, goes good in the landfall deck. Uh, probably will go into the elemental deck whenever I end up making that. Um, Verizal. Um, so Verizal is a blue-green, uh, you know, uh, serpent that that plays well with kicker. Um, I especially like the fact that his ability, he's X X blue and green, so you know he ha kind of has that hydra uh, problem where you know when he enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter for each mana spent to cast it, and it's a zero zero. Now that mana spent to cast it includes his uh, commander attack. So as the game goes along and as he gets cast over and over again, you know, and I'm paying the commander tax, he's still you know coming in with those counters, right? So you know, first time I play him, let's say I play pay two mana for X, so two green and blue. Um, that means that he basically will be coming in as a 4-4, four, four, right? Um, now, the second time I cast him, he has commander of tax of two. Well, I just pay the commander tax of two, I play zero for X, and then a green and a blue. Well, now he's just basically costing... Uh, now he basically comes in as a 4-4 again, even if I've cast him with commander attacks already. So that's pretty nice. Um, definitely fits into a kicker deck, which is something I'm actually looking into potentially doing. I think this, there might be a critical mass of kicker and kicker payoffs um, for Verizal to be a deck. Um, let's see, Yarsarn is the uh, green-white elemental boar. Basically fits into a hate bear, hate boar strategy. Um, 
you know, so you know that might not be necessarily the funnest deck to play against, but uh, definitely you know one that I think that's the, one of the best spot for him to be in. Um, I already talked about Zargus going into the um, vampire deck. Could also go into a, a hypothetical four color party deck, um, and then Zareth Usan, who I talked about, you know, could go into uh, my Yuriko uh, Ninjas deck since he has a very ninjutsu esque ability. Um, some monocolor commanders. Um, we have Tabarax, um, who is uh, you know he plays very well with Saddleborn Apostles. In fact, there was a leak. Um, I think you know a supposed leak before the set came out that uh, people took to interpret saying that oh there will be Saddleborn Apostles reprinted in the set. Not the case, but he definitely plays very well with them and gets very big very quickly. Could just fit into a generic Demon Tribal deck, I think. Um, I already talked about Cherix, the giant crab, going to the uh, Sea Creature Tribal deck. Could also go into a general big butts deck, um, you know, uh, with Arcady. So, you know, he wouldn't necessarily be able to attack by default with his toughness uh, since he doesn't have Defender. But, you know, I have effects like Assault Formation and High Alert in the deck that would enable that for him. Uh, let's see, you know, Morag talked about, you know, the extra turns, uh, Mythic Minotaur, um, goes into the Warrior deck, could also go into a Minotaur deck, or there's an extra turns combat deck, um, Asaya, who I talked about, again, already could go into my, uh, on that Hydra Tribal deck, he does a good Hydra impersonation, also goes really well into a Landfall deck, of course, and an Elemental deck, um, Anawan from the, uh, Zendikar Command, uh, Rising Commander Precons, Rogue Tribal deck, straight and forward, and then same with Obun, Muldaya Ancestor, Anaya, a Landfall deck, um, not particularly interested in building those per se, but I'm still gonna get the Precons, uh, I think those are pretty good value in there. Um, also want to take a look at some rares that kind of stood out to me, uh, rares and mythic rares. Um, we have Forsaken uh, Monument, 5 mana for a legendary artifact. Colorless creatures get plus 2, plus 2. Whenever I tap a permanent for, you know, colorless, add an additional colorless. And whenever I cast a colorless spell, gain 2 life. Instantly slots into whatever Eldrazi tribal deck I'm hoping to build at some point. Um, even if I have, you know, if, even if they have just devoid to make them colors, they're still considered colorless. So um, any ca spell I cast, I don't literally need to be in a deck where I don't have any colored, you know, mana costs. Um, let's see. Uh, Skyclave Apparition um, is a spirit. Um, so Jack could go into a potential spirit deck. Um, Skyclave Apparition is a um, you know score spirit for one white and white. Enters the battlefield, exile up to one target non-land, non-token permanent. I don't control with CMC four or less. And when it leaves the battlefield, uh, the exile card cone owner creates a four-four blue illusion creature token, where X is the converted mana cost of the converted card. Um, so you know could potentially get political with this. He's like, hey. If I remove my Skyclave Apparition, give you the Illusion, can you not use it against me, right? Something like that. Um, let's see, we have a, you know, Madeline Cacophony, um, you know, uh, one in the blue, mill eight cards, or Kicker for three in the bl blue, um, mill half the library, instantly fits into whatever Bruvac mill deck that I'm going to want to build eventually, um, because that would essentially, you know, one shot kill them for, what, one, I think that's six mana total, um, kind of out of nowhere. Um, let's see, Dragon deck, uh, you know, Leyline Tyrant goes into a Dragon deck um, that is kind of like a mana battery, kind of like the original Omnath. Um, two red and red, Dragon Flying. I don't lose unspent red mana as steps and phases end. Uh, when it dies, I may spend any amount of red when I do deals damage that dam damage to any target. 4-4. Four, four. Um, 
yeah, dragons are pretty expensive, so it's nice to maybe get this down as early as possible, and then if I don't have any dragons in hand, or maybe I'm one or two off, I can kind of bank that mana for a future turn where I end up you know, being able to cast more dragons eventually. Um, let's see, Relic Robber um, is a pretty amusing goblin, two in a red, goblin rogue haste, 2-2. Two, two. When it deals combat damage to a player, that player creates a 0-1 colorless goblin construct artifact creature token with this creature cannot block, and at the beginning of your upkeep, this creature deals one damage to you. So a uh, pretty nice way, uh, pretty fun goblin, I think, to, to fit into there. Uh, into a goblin deck. I already talked about Oren Reef Ooze, obviously goes into an Ooze deck. Talked about Scoot Swarm, goes into a Fungus deck. Oh, sorry. Swarm Sampler goes into this uh, fungus deck. Scoot Swarm, on the other hand, definitely goes into a landfall deck um, and going wide with a ton of tokens. So, yeah, that's definitely... Uh, beware the Scoot. Um, and then, you know, kind of just talking abstractly, you know, some decks that I think could potentially be built kind of to be representative of the deck, uh, of the set. I already talked about the Nethroy Zero Power deck that I'm kind of interested in building. But, you know, and also there's the Mill deck. Um, I'm thinking... I already talked about this with a kicker tribal deck I want to build. The other one is there's a party deck I, out there, I think. I don't know who the commanders would be. It would probably need to be some sort of comma, uh, partner commander, partner pair that has the four colors of essentially all colors except green. Though, who knows? Maybe Tazri might be at the deck and just have include green for those, you know, uh, those those two green spells that have all uh, creatures in there, right? Um, you know, a party deck could be very fun. I think people are underestimating how easy it will be to get party out there, especially if you go with a lot of the cheap creatures. Um, you know, that kind of brings me to uh, some decks that I'm building that are not for EDHs. Um, my current brew in standard is a party tribal deck. Um, and what my party tribal deck is trying to do is essentially, you know, there are two main payoffs I want to hit in white. Um, they are Archpriest of Iona, which is a one-drop cleric, um, one-two. It gets, uh, but it gets, you know, Power is equal to the number of creatures in my party. So essentially a max power of four. If I have a full party, meaning I have, you know, one of each of the party members in my on the field, um, it then basically gains at the beginning of combat, grants a teacher, usually itself, plus one plus one and flying until end of turn. Um the other main payoff is squad commander, so three in a white. Um, you know, it's a three-three core warrior. When it enters the battlefield, create a one-one war core warrior creature for each creature in my party. So up to an additional four creatures, but at least one. You know, because it counts itself. At the beginning of combat, if I have a full party, creatures I control get plus one plus one and indestructible until end of turn. So um, the goal here is to have a bunch of one and two drop. Uh, creatures that of each party type aside from squad commander who is you know the the four mana payoff um and then essentially try to assemble the party as early as turn three potentially um you know what i'm looking at is maybe like a turn one archpriest of iona uh turn two you know maybe playing robber of the witch rich uh, which is a rogue and then turn three uh playing you know maybe uh you know magmatic chandler who's a wizard for one in the red um as well as seagate banneret uh who is a core warrior for a single white uh, that basically gives me by turn three a five mana th five three uh, a one mana five three flyer in Archpriest of Iona. 
Um, and in turn four, if I drop Squad Commander, right, then, you know, if I, with a full party, basically makes a huge board of blockers as well as, you know, a bunch of in, in, indestructible attackers. Uh, I also have, you know, so, you know, within Warrior, I already talked about Seagate, Banneret, and Squad Commander. Cleric, um, I have Archpriest of Iona, already mentioned. And then there's one of the Mortal Duel face card lands, Skyclave Cleric, one in the white. Um, ETBs gain two life, but, you know, it can, on the flip side, it can also be a land. So that kind of helps me get my land count up a little bit. Um, wizards, you know, I talked about Magmatic Chandler, one in the red for a wizard that lets me essentially rummage uh, through my deck, um, you know, per turn. Uh, discard a card, draw two, and or exile two, and then be able to play one of those exile cards. Um, and in Fisher Wizard, um, I couldn't find any one one or two one drop wizards, unfortunately. So Fisher Wizard um, is a two drop wizard, Goblin Wizard, uh, straight up rummage when it enters the battlefield for a two one. Um, on the Rogue, we've talked about Robert the Rich from Ikoria, and then Sneaking Guide, who's a Goblin Rogue, is a one drop Goblin that I can include. Um, I also have part, um, you know, the uh, Stonework Pack Beast, which is a two drop beast that is all four creature types of the party. Um, also, a nice little bit of color fixing um, or yeah, by paying two mana, I can make it mana of any color in a pinch. Um, the last card I'm including is Journey to Oblivion, which is four and a white. For an, essentially an Oblivion ring, you know, exile target non, uh, non-land permanent that opponent controls. Uh, it costs one less, though, for each creature in my party. So at, at minimum, uh, it'll cost, you know, or best case scenario, it costs only one single white mana. So that's my that's what I currently have. Um, some improvements I see to the deck, I could be building, you know, adding more removal, adding especially early, early game removal. So maybe throw, like, you know, um, add in some socks or maybe that uh, Mortal Dual Face card, uh, Razor, Razor Thicket something that deals one damage. Um, you know, kind of, kind of to take out things um, or, or, you know, clear out some blockers uh, for, essentially for my more fragile creatures. So looking forward, you know, to, to you know, hoping, get, helping this deck get a little bit better. I'll talk more about the actual record next week. Um, the other deck that I'm interested in building is the um, MTG Goldfist uh, budget budget um, budget brew, um, which is the blue green kicker deck. Um, so that looked pretty sweet as well. I've had a bunch of drafts so far where I've gotten multiple copies of Roost of Drake. It's PSA, do not pass Roost of Drakes. It is a busted magic card. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to try to maybe if the party deck doesn't work so good, may, might try going for the blue green kicker deck. Um, it's all a whole bunch of Omnath, which, you know, as a fan of Omnath, you know, in standard, a lot of people are annoyed by that, but, you know, I see that as an enjoyable deck. Anyway, uh, that just about wraps up Zendikar Rising, a distance to my deck. Um, we've got a couple of months between now and the next standard legal set, Kaldheim, in January, but we've still got, you know, another set between now and then, uh, Commander Legends. Um, my next episode should be my experiences in Zendikar Rising, um, as I mentioned before. Um, you know, I anticipate soon after we'll be doing another set review of cards from commander legends that i'm planning on adding to my decks um, in any case the casting of this pod is slowly coming to its resolution let me know what you think of zendikar rising what cards are you adding to your decks what brews have you been inspired to build what cards have i missed that i should be adding to my decks? or what cards am i talking about adding to my decks that honestly aren't that good uh, let me know on twitter at EtherVortexPod or via email at into the ethervortex at gmail.com uh, you can find into the ethervortex on itunes spotify or google play or you can leave a review on any of those podcast stores or on podchaser.com links to those in the show notes my architect with all of my deck lists is linked under the username Ninja Boy, Boy with an I. I also see Magic Arena most Friday nights uh, on Ninja Boy 333 on Twitch. Um, looking to do so again tonight, uh, trying to do some more limited. Um, you know, the intro 
Anyway, the intro and outro music is provided by Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.fullmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninsboy Media. We cast this pod every second and fourth Fridays of the month. Until then, though, may your lands be plentiful, but not too plentiful. Mm-hmm.